0: Well, today we are in Galatians again. We are wrapping up our series, and I'm going to give you a little breakdown, but first I want to read the, the text. So let's hop in Galatians 5. I'll give you a moment. I'm going to move this, because for those of you who know me, this is a tripping hazard. So we're in Galatians 5 this morning. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcised nor uncircumcised has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works its way through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever they may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the power and authority that your word speaks into our lives and into the way that we live our lives by the Spirit. God, I pray that you would be opening our, our hearts and our minds in our eyes today, that we could see ways that we can continue to embrace and surrender to your spirit as we live lives that reflect your love to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I spent a lot of time digging through this text and, and, and looking at a lot of different people's perspectives of the text. I had a lot of things written on paper and Uh, I was spending time with family yesterday. I was blessed to have all of my siblings up and close by, and we spent a good chunk of of yesterday together. And then uh, we ended up, it was my dad and my uh, two brothers ended up hanging out late into the night last night. I don't think they left till like 1130 And that's late for me. It might not be late for you. It's late for me. I go to bed at like nine. Um, Very late for me. And I went to bed, and I just, as I was going to bed, I prayed, God, I just pray that you would be speaking to me, that you would be encouraging me in what it is that your people at New Hope need to hear today. And when I woke up, I had a whole new narrative on my heart, and so... We're going that way. We're going that way. If you've been coming here for a while, and Lord willing, if you've been going to any church for a while, you've heard it said, love your neighbor as yourself. We certainly have said it dozens and dozens and dozens of times here in the last year. I might be guilty of saying it dozens and dozens of times myself in the last few weeks. And so, this is not a foreign, it's not a foreign thing for us to say, right? I mean, Jesus said it, that the law is summarized, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we see Paul here, who's saying that this, this an incredible statement, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. I think that's a easy thing to say, and I have to ask myself, you know, let's tighten the circle a little bit because I think neighbor is pretty broad. We see when someone's asking Jesus questions about who is my neighbor, and they're trying to get out of loving certain people, right? Jesus clarifies, you know, it's everybody, right? Right? But for me to comprehend this love that is the same as how much I love myself, I had to tighten the circle. So as I thought about my family relationships, I'm so blessed. I have, I have a whole bunch of siblings, and we've decided to go down very different roads. Some are followers, dedicated followers of Jesus Christ, and others are not at this point. We have many different positions politically, emotionally, emotionally, morally and if my parents were here i could encourage them to their face because something they taught us well was to love one another like we love ourselves and i can say without any hesitation that any one of my siblings would gladly give their life for me and i would do the same but that's a tight circle that isn't a spirit sized circle. Jesus died for us while we were enemies. That's a spirit sized circle. Love your neighbor as yourself. As I thought about this a little bit more, I thought about the fact the multiple scriptures, I remember as we were looking at James, the, the encouragements to love your brothers and sisters. In Christ, there are more encouragements that we're caring for our brothers and sisters in Christ than for our blood brothers and sisters. How are we doing? How are we doing? You can just take a moment and look around the room. How are we doing with the people right here in this room? I hate to break it to you. It's a big family. It's a big family. So as we walk through this text today, what I want to sit in your minds is this concept of loving your neighbor, loving your brother and sister in Christ as yourself and what that looks like and how we can improve. I assure you, you can, but the assurance that I'm giving you in your ability to do it is different than maybe what you're thinking. So let's walk through this text today. We've been digging into Galatians, and we see at the front end, chapters one and two, an introduction, Paul introduces himself and the authority that he has given to him directly from God the Father, and then we see it carry from there into chapter two, where Paul establishes the authority that he has based on the unity that the apostles have in one gospel, And then we move into 3 and 4 where there's this shifting from Paul's reintroduction of who he is and why he has the authority that he has to him establishing very stark pictures of what this justification by faith alone, quite apart from works of the law, looks like. And he ties it back to Abraham so that we can see that this has always been the way. And now we're moving into five and six. And I would call this Paul's closing statements or what you might see here is like a pastoral, apost- apostolic application. And at the core of this Application closing statements is the transforming power of the spirit. The transforming power of the spirit. You guys ready to dive in? Let's dive in together. Top of this text, we're looking at verses one, number one, verse if you if if you don't just pause on verse one and think how remarkable a statement. In and of itself, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Try and soak that in. We've looked at freedom a whole bunch in the last few weeks. But this is a a bold and remarkable statement by Paul. It is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. What's that mean? And Paul's going to walk us through that. In this first section, I see two major concerns that Paul is addressing. In verses 3 through 4, he's addressing what I would refer to as a spiritual decapitation. You're like, wow, that sounds strong. Well, let's look at the text. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to, just, to be justified by the law or be self-righteous have alienated yourself from Christ. Christ will have no value to you. That's verse 2. What's that mean? Well, Christ is the head of the church. He's our source, right? He is our source. And we see that The reason I refer to this as a decapitation is they're cutting themselves off from Christ, who is the head of the body, from whom the body receives its nourishment, and in whom the body receives its righteousness before God. His second concern he addresses in 7 through 12, and this concern is a concern of, I believe, of perseverance. He's concerned for their perseverance. Perseverance. Their ability to hold fast to the truths of the gospel. We see elements of this when we looked at chapter 3, verse 1, when he says, Who's bewitched you? Who's seduced you? Who tricked you? He knew that these people needed to learn to distinguish the hiss of a serpent from the whispers of God. And he takes a little, a little, punch a jab at the agitators here in verse 12 and he's like hey if you're so fascinated with snipping foreskin why don't you just go the whole way you know if you're so fascinated with that go the whole way the most profound element to this little bit that i find is that despite these concerns we see that he has his confidence is firmly placed where verse 10 I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. Paul isn't confident in himself. He's not saying, I'm confident that these words I'm telling you are going to, because of me, are going to transform you. And he's saying the power of the Spirit and the words that he's given me to give to you, I'm confident that the Lord will shift your view. His confidence is set in the Lord. And that will be important as we move, walk through this text. The remedy to these concerns is embracing the freedom that Christ came to set us free. It is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. That is the remedy for the Galatians in these concerns. And that is the remedy for us today. Embracing, surrendering, and trusting in the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. In verse 13, we have a, a shift. This, we have this shift. We see elements of verse 1 here in verse 13. Sorry, 13 you my brothers and sisters were called to be free it's interesting as i thought about this and you have a lot of we have a lot of conversations with our our brothers and sisters about their callings i don't know how often i've ever had anyone tell me that they're call they were called to be free right they might be called to be a teacher they might be called to be a deacon they might be called to be a missionary It might be called to be, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. But something that we share is a calling to be free. And in 13, Paul clarifies because he knows there's questions. What's this freedom look like? So he clarifies. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And we have this amazingly ironic statement. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And this word serve in Greek can be translated as to be slave to one another in love. Interesting, right? There's there's an amazing irony when you look at the top of the text. He says, do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery, Instead, be slavery, be bound in servitude to one another in love. Be bound to one another in servitude, humbly and in love. Our freedom for freedom's sake is not to be spent on our own personal desires. In the world, freedom often means doing what you want for yourself. Rather, your freedom is to love humbly and serve others. And that is the antidote to self-righteousness, to a self-righteous spirit, which we see in verse 15, bites and devours. And this brings us to Paul's, I think, third concern in this text His concern is a concern for their unity. We see this in verse 15 and again in verse 26. Last week, we talked about the freedom sandwich. If you're curious what that's all about, I've left you a teaser. Go check out the sermon from last week. Okay, we had the freedom sandwich last week. It was delicious. Um. In the center of this sandwich was the perils of pride, Paul's warning against pride, against self-righteousness. And here we see again one of the perils of pride, one that's sneaky and works its way into the church from all sides. If you think it doesn't, then you have blindfolds on and don't see the church around you. Just go on YouTube and type in, I don't know, false teacher. You'll see every teacher out there pop up. They're a false teacher. Guarantee it. False teacher, YouTube, put in your favorite preacher. There he is, false teacher. Somebody feels really, really uh, upset by something they said. We are one of the most fractured Religions in the world. You have know, so many denominations, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I can't say the numbers of times that I have witnessed with my own ears the biting and devouring of each other, whether it's in this community or about some other. Your brothers and sisters, folks, are people in this room, they're the people over at the Nazarene church. You even have brothers and sisters in the Catholic church. Crazy. Crazy. But yet, so much of our time is invested in biting and nibbling at the things that we feel convicted about. I. I I can't wrap my head around it. Think for a moment how powerful it would be if Christians stopped being spiritual cannibals and instead invested our time in working against sin strongholds in our own lives and in our communities. Jesus prayed it like this John seventeen twenty-one through twenty-three. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you and me, so that they may be brought into complete, we're talking trinity unity here, folks, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. How do we lose this? How does this get lost? I'll tell you what, I've been going to a church my whole life, and I'm, I'm 40 years old, I've heard people talk about a lot of things with incredible passion, sexual purity, all kinds of things, and I'm not taking away from those things. What I'm saying is, we often get caught up in spiritual cannibalism rather than loving and building each other up so that we can pursue this unity that Jesus prayed about. How are we doing? As a pastor here in this church, I am convicted that if I can do nothing else, I will encourage us to stop nibbling at each other or those outside of this church. If I can do nothing else, God will equip me to encourage, to discourage, equip, and correct any biting that's going on. You with me? I hope you're with me. I'd be pretty lonely. <laughs> I'll be encouraging myself. Uh, yes. Unity. Let's keep moving. So Paul addresses the, the, ability, the fact that we bite and devour each other, and if we allow this to go on, we destroy ourselves. And we move into 16. And I spoke to you about this love that I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around loving at this big circle, Right? I talked about the small circle of my family, of those who I have blood relation, and will make it a little bigger to my brothers and sisters in Christ, make it a little bigger to everyone. And that's a struggle. How do I do that? How do we do that? Paul says this So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Walk by the Spirit. The flesh, our sin nature, and the Spirit are contrary to one another. They don't share space. They're at war with one another. And we're to be led by the Spirit. We see that in verse 18. And so, as the flesh and the spirit are at war, and my inability to build my love circle, there's a reason for that because I can't do it. I can't do it. But the spirit can. The spirit did and does. And this brings us to two lists. Two lists. I want to just note briefly that since, we, since I went on the, the unity tangent and fed you this, hey, we're not going to bite each other and devour each other. If you look at these lists, the, the works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit, there are so many items in the works of the flesh that are relational in nature, and I don't think that those ones are taken very seriously, typically. You don't hear about it very much. You know, let's take a peek at this list here. Discord, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy. I don't think we talk about those things all that much. We take some of these other ones really seriously, like like, drunkenness, orgies, hatred, idolatry, witchcraft. I mean, idolatry we take seriously in certain forms, but don't identify in other forms, Sexual immorality, impurity, those are the big ones, right? No, they're just some of the ones, (laughs) like the other ones. But then you have these ones that are talking about dissension, discord, factions, envy, selfish ambition. Where'd those ones go? Oh, they're right there. While I'm ranting on unity, keep an eye on that. And when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, this is fruit coming from the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Guess what? The impact those have on relationships. Good impacts, yeah? Can I get an amen? Oh, they have good impacts on relationships. Man, if the fruit of the Spirit is overwhelming our lives, I think unity gets a lot simpler. Yeah? But there's a warning. Because we know. We know from the law. We know from Paul that whenever we're given lists, what do we do with them? We make laws. Right? We get a list. We make a law. Oh, well. Paul said gentleness is a good thing. So I'm going to be so gentle. It's simpler than that. It's simpler than that. Why do you say that, Aaron? There are all kinds of people who have no relationship with God that pursue these fruits. Right? So what's the difference with us? I think it's bigger than that. It's not even easier. It's that the Spirit does it. It's that the Spirit does it. This comes back to order. We talked about a few weeks ago. If you missed it, great sermon, if I do say so myself. (laughs) I gave it. So Um, order's important, folks. If we're surrendering our lives to the Spirit, and the Spirit's doing the work, that that's that's its job. It's what it does. It's who it is. It is good. It is good. 1 Peter 4.11 says this, when we, when we lean on the strength of the Spirit, it eliminates boasting. 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that In all things, God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and power and and honor forever and ever. Amen. Boasting is eliminated when we live in the spirit. Self-righteousness is eliminated when we live in the spirit. Fighting and spiritual cannibalism is eliminated when we are led by the Spirit. How are we doing? I feel pretty good about that. Let's let's have a prayer together. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the freedom that we have through the crucified Christ. Lord, I just pray that we would be grabbing hold to that with everything that we are today. God, that we would be encouraging each other. Lord, as our vision statement says, that we would be building each other up towards maturity in Christ. God, I pray that that would be true. Lord, I pray that if our eyes are wandering to the Issues that we see in our brother. God, if those issues are genuine, that you would allow us to have relationships that can encourage and build our brothers up in their issues. If those issues are an issue of our own hearts, God, I pray conviction and that you would bring us out of a spirit of cannibalism towards our brothers and sisters. Lord, May we be unified in this church. May you be glorified in our praise, our worship, in our ministries as we walk in and by and led by the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.